The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, getting a monster energy for me just isn't an option. Early in the morning, I know that naturally my blood sugar is going to spike from foot to floor anyway. But loading caffeine on top of foot to floor and then the further combination of stress and frustration definitely has an impact. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. It is always a pleasure and it's my pleasure today because I feel like I haven't spoken to Graham for a long time. And Graham, if you were listening to the last few episodes, he's been mentioning the fact that he was going to Nashville on a trip, on a holiday. And we spoke to each other a couple of times. We usually keep in touch a good bit. But the most recent time that I've spoken to Graham, he sends me like this three minute voice note. He's like, OK, I have an idea for a podcast. Something unbelievable happened. I could feel my adrenaline like spiking and, and, and racing through my body. I can only imagine what it would have been like. If I was diabetic, let's talk about that. So I don't even know what this is. So mm. I'm intrigued to find out what this uh, this very stressful event has been for Graham. So Graham, do you want to enlighten us? It's just so funny that how my mindset has changed now that when things like this happen, just in the back of my head, I think, God, imagine if I was diabetic. Like I, I woke up the morning after the scenario that happened and I just said to Claire, could you imagine if I was diabetic? Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, oh, how much worse that would have been? And then she started pointing out little things in the story that happened that she was like, yeah, if you were diabetic, that would have been an absolute disaster because you did that. And I was like, oh my God. Before I get into it though, I want to do a shout out to one of your clients own, Laquita. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, so she lives in Nashville. Yeah, so she sent me a message on Instagram, welcoming me, myself and Claire, my girlfriend, to Nashville, uh, introduced yourselves and gave me a couple of recommendations. So I want to do a massive thank you to Laquita for, for messaging me while I was on my holidays. I appreciate that. Well, right. while we're doing a shout out to Laquita, let me do a shout out to Laquita because she is just 
like a complete legend. I've been working with her now for, I'd say, I think close to a year. And Laquita is in her 60s. She, like, from day one has just been on the ball, right? She was diagnosed relatively late, all things considered, with type 1. And she is just now consistently 85% plus time and range. She pumps the gym five or six days a week. She is in phenomenal shape. And... Every time she goes to the gym and a few times, well, a few times more recently, she's gone to the gym. Trainers and other people in the gym have been coming up to her saying like, what, you're in phenomenal shape. You're in phenomenal shape. Yes. Asking, is she a personal trainer? Asking, asking, I I think some guy recently um, said she looks like early 40s and she's in her 60s. So she's just... Unbelievable, like just a, a, a phenomenal person, phenomenal worker, and uh, a pleasure to have inside the program. So, Laquita, massive shout out to you, especially your legend. So, all right, let's get into the story. And the reason I wanted to say this is because a couple of weeks ago, we kind of did something similar where I told you about my morning routine, how it was pretty simple, and then you compared it to how many decisions you have to make in the same space of time that I had to make zero decisions depending on my blood sugar. And we had a good response to that. So that's why I was like, okay, let's go up a notch. Let's go up to see when something is super, super, super stressful and all the things I'm doing during the stressful period that I don't have to think about my blood sugar, how much worse would it have been if I was diabetic? So here we go. So as you know... I I, I even (laughs) feel like kind of nervous or something. (laughs) (laughs) i'd say it's a bit of a long enough story so if you want to stop me uh to kind of pull me up on things ask me questions please do if you want to keep me going and you want to take a note off okay that would have affected me do that as well so let's just see where this goes you graham you better not have built this up (laughs) (laughs) like this this actually better be a good story because i've been waiting over a week to hear this i'm actually kind of no. nervous now even though i tell stories every day on the radio i'm like oh god i kind of feel nervous now sitting in front of owen telling it so the plan was we would get into nashville around 8 30 p.m and immediately rent a car and drive it to memphis so that was going to be about a three hour journey and so the plan was, yeah, rent the car, get going and try and be in Memphis for about, what, I'd say about 1 a.m. Once we get out of the airport, get the car sorted, get our bags, all that kind of stuff. And we'd kind of just, we want to wake up in Memphis. That was a plan because we only had three nights. And a six months before we went, I made sure I had never had a credit card before. And there was always issues when renting a car. And I just wanted this to be like bulletproof because I knew it was going to be stressful enough driving at nighttime in the dark. So I didn't want any hassle, any delays, nothing like that. So I ordered the credit card six months in advance for this. And then I booked the car six weeks in advance, got all the extras that needed to do, didn't go cheap on it. I actually was originally going to go with the cheaper brand, but went with the kind of more reputable car hire company just to make sure there was going to be no problems at all. Mm. Um, You're also and- driving on the other side of the road just for people that don't may not know that yeah so there's always a little bit of nervousness at the very beginning because i've driven before in italy and i've driven before in canada both of them for me living in ireland are on the other side of the road and when people were asking me gee are you nervous about driving you know three hours at night time i was like no nah, no nah, i'm actually not because i drove in italy 
I drove the Amalfi Coast and I said, nothing will ever be worse than driving that. <laughs> and I was wrong. <laughs> so, oh no. So six weeks before when I booked the car, I made sure to get GPS. Because as you know, Owen, our phones, our Irish phones, don't work over there getting data and 4G and 5G. We need to be connected to the Wi-Fi. Now, I do understand because a lot of people say, oh, no, you didn't need GPS. You can just download the map on your phone, save it, and then it works offline. But I was like, you know, that's just too much hassle. I wanted to pay the extra money, have the GPS. It's, what, $70 for four days. No problem at all. So, plane lands, 8.30. Nice calm evening so far. And uh, I'm going, okay, we got, we got to get going. We got to get going. And I was, we we're on the road about 18 hours now at this stage. So I go into the shop. I get myself a massive can of Monster Energy just to make sure I've got my caffeine going nicely. And, you know, I'm kind of just, just alert. I, I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to get tired. So I need to get my Monster Energy into me. I've never had a can of Monster before, actually, because he had no Red Bull, but I needed something caffeine and lots of Lots of it. And I also got myself a load of uh, jelly sweets as well, because just for the, for the car journey. And as we were waiting for our bags, I was looking at the news at the baggage carousel, and I was seeing like hurricane warning and storm warning in Mississippi, which is right beside Tennessee, I believe. So to the left of Tennessee, they've got a, they share a border. And I'm like, oh, God, this doesn't look too good. And then it was kind of storm warning kind of coming for Tennessee. But I was thinking in my head, all right, if we get out early enough now, there's no storm now. We looked outside the, the plane. It was, it was calm. If we get going on the road quick enough, we should be able to beat it. So I was like, grand. So we get down to the check-in desk for the car rental company. And the, the lady there at the very beginning is very nice, very friendly. Hands over my uh, my driver's license. Hands over my uh, my credit card. She's like, "Oh, I see, uh, Mr. O'Toole, you're already booked up here." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, all done. That's all done a couple of weeks ago." And then she's tapping away, and then she goes, uh, uh, "Do you want uh, any insurance added to this?" And I was like, oh, "I've already added the insurance there. You'll see it's on my file." And she's like, "Oh, yes, you're right, you're right, you're right." And she's continuing going on, and she doesn't say one thing about GPS. So I just go. And just to make sure you've got the GPS system sorted in there too. She goes, GPS? I don't think we got GPS. And I go, oh, no. I go, no, no, but I need GPS. You know, I, I, it was an option on your website. I clicked it. I paid X amount extra for it. She goes, why don't you just use your phone? And I said, well, I can't use my phone because I'm from Ireland and, you know, we don't have internet roaming data here like we do in, the, in Europe when we're traveling. So I need GPS. She goes, Hmm, this is going to be a problem. Hmm. <laughs> so about 10, 15 minutes past, she's tapping away on her computer. She has no clue what she's doing. Another lady then gets involved. She starts tapping away on the computer. She can't figure out what the story with the GPS is. There's no cars with GPS there. They've got no systems with GPS. Then the second lady tells the first lady to go into the back to try and find me an iPad, which is connected to the internet. And I should have internet for the whole way to Memphis. I was like, perfect. So she goes in the back. She's about five minutes in the back. She comes out, goes, y'all, I can't find any iPads in there at all. So I'm like, what are we going to do? I like your Memphis accent. <laughs> at no point is anyone apologizing for the weight that we're doing. Remember, there's a storm warning on the way. And now I'm getting a little bit frustrated with all this. And I'm already a little bit stressed out with the fact that I have to drive on the other side of the road. And it's now past nine o'clock at night time, And it's pitch dark outside. 
So they're tapping away, they're calling people, they can't figure it out. One of them is telling me to upgrade me to luxury. The other one says they can't upgrade me to luxury. I'm saying, why don't you upgrade me to luxury if I've paid for the extra? I'm not getting angry, but it's kind of becoming very stressful situation now where I'm like, I need to get on the road to beat this storm. And also I need a GPS system because I don't know how to get out of Nashville airport and get on the road for three hours to Memphis. Mm. Then the second lady goes in the back again and ends up finding an iPad that the first person couldn't find. And all the time while the lady in the, the second lady went back to get the iPad, the first lady was there doing TikTok dances behind the desk. And I was losing the plot. I was like, is this what for real? Doing, what she was just TikTok there sitting dance. kind of doing all these armed move movements like this, like to herself. Like she had, she had no want to be there, which was infuriating me even more. So I'm there looking at Claire. She dancing like this. in front of you. Yeah, like kind of, like, you know, kind of <laughs> singing. Claire's then looking at me thinking, this lad is going to blow with the anger and the rage that was going on. <laughs> but I didn't, want, I didn't want to blow. Like, I didn't want to create a scene. Mm. Eventually, the other girl comes out. 45 minutes has passed this stage. And she finds an iPad in the back, which the first person couldn't see. And apparently, it was in front of her the whole time, which annoyed me even more. But I was like, right, we're on the road. Then they didn't have... Then the card they had organized for me 45 minutes ago had been taken so then they had oh, to figure out a new car for me. So all in all, we're at the check-in desk for about an hour. Eventually get the keys to go up to the car. When we get into the car and try and get the sat-nav going on the iPad, you need to log in for the iPad, which they never gave us. So we couldn't go back to the airport because that was too much of a walk. So Claire went up to the check-in desk. Another half an hour had passed and till we got the iPad working. So in total, from standing at the check-in desk to putting the key in the ignition to start it, it was an hour and a half. And the second we put the key into the ignition, the massive thunderstorm just started. Like it was, I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was just, it was so bad, the wipers on the car couldn't go fast enough to clear the windscreen. <laughs> So as we left the, as we were leaving the car park in the airport, I couldn't see the road markings. And you know, when you get into an airport, you're basically coming off or onto a motorway or a highway in America. So there's lanes going everywhere. There's mm. roads splitting left, right. And I had no clue where I was going. Claire starts screaming because I'm nearly going to crash into this middle barrier. I start slamming on the brakes. And then I was like, the car is going to come in the back of me. It was horrendous all the time I couldn't see the road markings in front of me so I'm just driving along the road uh, along this like five five lane highway trying to navigate our way outside of Nashville and I have never ever felt fear like it in my life I'm there like my hands are glued to the steering wheel my face is nearly up at the at the windscreen the windscreen wipers go I can't, I like, I can't describe to you how I couldn't see the road markings. And again, you got to factor in that this is the first time in about three years I've been driving on what is for us the other side of the road. So I, my brain was taking its while to kind of position myself properly mm. in the lane of which I knew was there. So I kept on veering over to the other lane because I was so just disorientated with what was going on. I'm there chugging on my can of Monster, hoping that that's going to be the thing that kind of keeps me alive in this situation. <laughs> but at no point am I ever going to fall asleep because I can literally feel the adrenaline being pumped into my body. But this whole experience, eventually we get outside of Nashville and 
however bad it was inside Nashville, at least there was lights on the side of the road. There are no lights once you get outside of Nashville on the highway at all. And whatever lights are on the road, you can't see because it's so flooded. So I'm going about, I'd say, between 30 and 40 miles an hour. No word of a lie. And I'm kind of positioning myself in behind this truck, just like hoping if I stay behind this truck, I'll be all right. Then I don't know because I can't see any of the, the, the road signs at all. I can't see anything. I'm just keeping behind this truck, hoping he'll lead us to Memphis. Then he starts indicating left. I don't know why he's indicating left. I don't know, but three lanes are after uh, uh, the third lane that I was in was ending. So I had to do this really quick veer left, hoping that there wasn't going to be another car left because I was going to crash into a barrier. I thought, I, would, I thought about an hour had passed that I was in the car and we were driving for. Literally, I'd gone 10 miles. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't comprehend how bad it was. So then I go, Claire, check that iPad and see how, if this weather gets any better towards Memphis. So then she's like, there's a tornado warning on the way between Nashville and Memphis. I was like, are you serious? And then another five minutes pass and we see a tree is like felled on the road and it's clearly been hit by lightning because there's fork lightning happening all around us. And Claire just goes, do you want, will we just pull in? It doesn't matter that we're going to miss a night's accommodation in Memphis. Will we just pull in? And I was like this. My whole body was like this, just shaking. I've never felt like I was going to die before. I honestly, I was like, I could actually die in this road because I was so, I just had no, it was kind of like an outer body experience that I could not believe that I was driving in this weather in a foreign country and in on the other side of the road. And there was trucks just going by, whizzing by me trees falling over the place for lightning, and i was like and then the next big challenge was to try and figure out how to get off the road because i couldn't see anything we eventually get off the road and we go to this town called dixon so uh laquita might know where dixon is it's not too far outside of nashville even though i felt like i traveled about seven hours and (laughs) we, we went it's one of those places i know you spent some time in america own it's not really a town it's more of a kind of a truck stop town where there's just hotels and motels Mm. that's all there really is and gas stations there's no town it's like there's a McDonald's and there's a gas station and then there's a motel and then there's a Holiday Inn that type of place it seemed like everybody else had the same idea as us as to pull in and just rest for the night because it was like midweek and it was the Holiday Inn was was fully booked that, the, I think it was the Hampton or the Frampton I don't know what else we went to six hotels and they were all fully booked and we're like what the hell are we going to do and I was like I will happily sleep in the car for, for five or six hours if we can no problem at all and then eventually we found this motel which have you ever watched ozark or yeah yeah Schitt's i think Creek? i've seen two two seasons of ozark if you've ever seen a show where someone's been murdered in a motel this is the quintessential murder motel <laughs> one floor that's it the door faces out onto the car park it's like in an l shape mm. Ta- they only take cash because of course they're their credit card machine isn't working. And you walk in, it's just like two massive double beds where someone's definitely been shot. Um, Do you know what I'm picturing? Have you ever seen that movie, No Country for Old Men? That's what I'm picturing. You know the motel that that the guy goes to when he's on on the run? Yeah, exactly. Exactly like that. So we get in there and I cannot (laughs) describe the relief that I, that just like lying in the bed. And I was lying there and <laughs> have you ever, so my body was so tired because essentially we were up for 24 hours at the stage. Mm. 
Mm. My body, just my body just wanted to sleep. But because there was so much adrenaline and I drank a full can of monster, (laughs) (laughs) my brain, you could, I could feel my brain. It was like sparks going off of my brain. And I was just there staring at the ceiling going, what am I after going through? Like that was, that was like fight or flight. Just, I, I've, I've never had that feeling inside my body before where literally I could like, I felt like a different person. It was insane. So that's kind of, that's the stress over with. The next little bit is when I woke up in the morning, this is much more annoying and, and kind of funny now looking back. So I woke up in the morning and it was a beautiful day. Like the quintessential storm has passed and now the sun is shining, pure, pure calm, birds are tweeting. And I go, right, the holiday starts now. Okay, we had a bit of a boo-boo with the car rental company. <laughs> Nearly died on the road there. Let's just try and put it past us. Let's just go on to Memphis now and enjoy ourselves. So Claire was getting ready. I said, I'm just going to go into the car and just get everything set up, get the iPad set up, you know, just make, just kind of get reset. And uh, put up the iPad, put in the hotel I was staying in Memphis. And then I was like, oh, the battery's a little bit low. So I take out the charger inside the bag, plug it into the, the cigarette lighter in the car. As I go to plug in the charger, they had given me the wrong charger for the iPad. after all the fury of getting something to navigate me to memphis they given me the wrong charge i well i curse i I curse them on i curse them i curse i can only imagine (laughs) right i can only imagine now what we ended up doing we ended up just finding a mcdonald's downloading the map it worked but it worked 90% of the time, but the 10% of the time it didn't work. We were on these highways outside of Memphis, not knowing which exit to take. And it was like rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And I was like, oh my God. Um, so I'm currently in a back and forth email battle with the customer service of this uh, company. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. As I try to get some sort of uh, compensation for my time. But that was my story on. I hope it lived up to uh, the billing that I gave it. Now, what in that, because this isn't just a podcast about me telling me my terrible holiday <laughs> stories. Like from the beginning of all that, what would I have had to factor in or if I was diabetic or how would have your bloods reacted to yeah. all those scenarios from even just, I didn't even pick it out, like Claire pointed out to me, even buying the can of Monster in the morning to trying to get to sleep at night. Well, what I want to know first is if you if you've never legitimately not that this is a common thing, but if you've never legitimately felt like I could die here, what mm. did it feel like thinking that potentially you actually could die? It was kind of paralyzing. It was a real paralyzing feeling where I was like, it's <laughs> I was in the mindset of like, you're nearly thinking about I was like Oh my God, what, how my family going to react? You know, how are Claire's <laughs> family going to react? It's like, how do people find, like all this is going through my head of like, uh, how will people find out it's us? Do you know what I mean? It was, mm. it was honestly, it was, I was so inside my head. It was horrible. It was, and I don't know why I didn't think about pulling in earlier. I don't know why it took both of us so long to like over an hour in the car. And it's like, let's just pull over. What is it? A couple of hundred dollars. Who cares? Like it was, yeah, paralyzing is how I felt. I, I remember it was 
when we, I would pull up in front of the hotel when we were looking for somewhere to stay and Claire would get out and go in and I would just like, I'd keep hold of the, of the wheel. <laughs> really? And I, I would just be thinking, oh my God, what am I after going through? Now, look, I, I 100% understand people drive through storms all the time. I completely get it. And I've driven through storms as well before in Ireland, but I've never driven through it on the other side of the road in a car that I'm not familiar with. I'm also driving automatic, which I don't drive. I drive manual. Mm. And there was just so many factors of like, even if it came on the way back from Memphis to Nashville, I would have been more comfortable because I would have been used to being on the other side of the road. And uh, like Mm. after a day or two, I got so used to the freeways and how they worked and how you exited and what lane to stay in. It was kind of all good. But it was just, yeah, it was just a combination of everything. Just, And what was Claire? It wasn't good. Um, she in a similar boat to you. She, I said how I felt the next morning because I didn't want to kind of scare her. Mm. She said at no point did she feel like that. But like, she was good because she, she, I was like, your job is to tell me when I'm veering into the wrong lane. I go, you have to try and find the line <laughs> on your side of the car and you've got to tell me if I'm in it or if I'm too close to it. So she just keep on shouting, two lanes. So I go, thank you. Two lanes. And we did have a couple of arguments. <laughs> As uh, I'm sure you would imagine when one of us screamed, I'd <laughs> yeah. go, it's not helping you screaming at me. <laughs> yeah, you screaming with a truck passing isn't helping. <laughs> uh, but now the next morning we were like, right, that was just an unusual situation. So understandable that both of us would have been a little bit on high alert. Well, Graham, I'm happy you didn't die. Because who would do the podcast? Exactly. Laquita. Maybe. She seems like she knows what she's talking about <laughs> what she's, and sounds, what she's doing. Uh, it sounds incredibly stressful, but it is one of those things that like you underestimate the the stress that can be caused with those small changes, like being on the other, the steering wheel, wheel being on the other side of the car, you driving on the other side of the road. Obviously, like not being able to see the road doesn't mm. help either. From the start, I was like the frustration that I would have felt from just like let's call it the confusion around the 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 sat nav that in itself probably would have spiked my blood sugar like uh, when i i i find the longer that i live with diabetes the more my blood sugar will spike if i'm like frustrated or aggravated so when you were telling that story and particularly your one like dancing behind the when you were noticeably probably stressed and frustrated that would have killed me would have killed me um yeah i could i would definitely imagine my bloods would be like pumping through the roof with that because that sort of and we talk about it all the time it's like that sort of stressful scenario naturally causes like cortisol and adrenaline to spike which in turn causes blood sugar to spike. So it's like you have that kind of antsy, uncomfortable, like shaky sort of adrenaline feeling on top of the fact that potentially your blood sugars are just like, boom, going, going through the roof. Um, so I can only imagine how, how stressful it would have been. Did I see someone, uh, when you repost them, saying something like, is it five to drive? Is that the... Is that the term you use or is it the term that diabetics use? Because I, uh, I, I doubt 
Uh, I, as a non-diabetic, would have even been at five uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> while I, I was driving. I think it's it's definitely an Irish thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm actually not sure if it's an international thing, but essentially it's five, as in like you have to be five millimoles or above to drive a car because <clears throat> if you're any lower, you know, and you're dipping below five, closer to four, potentially into like more of a kind of hypo state, you're not fully aware of your surroundings or even your actions to a, to a certain extent. So it's obviously just safer to only drive if you're above five. So that's, it's obviously, it's definitely Ireland, some places in Europe where we use millimoles. So it'd be five to drive, you have to be above five. But I would imagine if that was me driving, I'd probably be like 15 or 20 with the stress. <laughs> so I'd definitely be above the five. Um, but yeah, it doesn't, doesn't sound pleasant, Graham. No, it wasn't pleasant at all, at all, at all. And then I suppose the lack of sleep as well then for me, like even then you would have been the second day where I kind of went back to normality and I was grand. You probably then would have been affected the second day because you you didn't get a proper night's sleep. You went to bed so high. You're traveling as well. So you're not going to be surrounded by the normal foods that you have. I had to get a, a sausage and egg McMuffin that, that morning for breakfast. So uh, how would you have been the second yeah. day then? Yeah, see, the thing about it is it's like all, all those small decisions are things that will either directly or indirectly impact blood sugar. And as a result, depending on how certain levels of blood sugar make certain people feel will directly or indirectly affect like how you feel or just your performance or concentration or even mood that day. So like even when you were touching on getting a monster energy early in the morning, that for me currently just isn't an option because mm -hmm. early in the morning, I know that naturally my blood sugar is going to spike from foot to floor anyway. So I'm kind of getting that natural spike of blood sugar just because I'm awake in the morning time. It generally trends slightly higher. And sometimes I need up to two units of insulin completely fasted just to counteract that foot to floor. So if I'm then loading on an energy drink like Monster <laughs> where it's like, I think it's like 180, 180 what is it, like 180 milligrams of caffeine or something? Oh, no like, idea. Like, so, something like that I, that may be wrong i can't remember correctly but loading caffeine that early on top of foot to floor would just like skyrocket me and then the further combination of stress and frustration definitely has an impact and sleep is one of those things that people need to pay more attention to like just in general but specifically if you live with type one sleep or lack of has a significant impact on insulin resistance. So if I have a crappy night's sleep, I absolutely feel the impact of that the next day. And chances are I trend slightly higher as a result because cortisol levels are slightly higher naturally just from not sleeping. So it's almost like the sleep that I do or don't get as I said, directly or indirectly has an impact on what type of insulin I require the next day. And the other side of it, the additional layer is the fact that when you're traveling, you're massively out of your routine. You don't pick when you eat, really. 
You don't have massive control over what you eat. And when and what we eat probably has one of the most immediate and significant impacts on blood sugar when you live with type 1. So, and actually, this is why recently we did inside the program a training specifically called How to Manage Blood Sugar When You're Outside of Your Normal Routine because it's so different. But one of the main factors that changes is the food that you eat because, you know, your decision making might kind of be out the window because you're like, I'm on my holidays, I'm on vacation, it's fine, whatever, which is completely okay. But if you don't know when you're eating, and most importantly, you don't know what's actually in the food you're eating, you're always playing a guessing game. So like if I get a, what did you say, a McDonald's McMuffin or something like what? what a sausage and egg McMuffin one. There you go. <laughs> there you go. With, hash, with, with, with the hash brown and uh, a coffee. So something so simple, but immediate, like instantly what goes through my head is, okay, what's the carbohydrate intake? What's the fat intake? Probably really high and then ultimately then medium to medium high protein intake with something like that but even if i look on say my fitness pal and see sausage mcmuffin this is the carb count this is the fat count this is the protein count to give myself a relatively i suppose relatively accurate insight into what's in the food meaning how much insulin i need there's always an element of guessing, you know, because somebody might put more sauce on it this time. Somebody might make it a different way this time, whatever it is. So what I always say, it's like when we eat out and when we eat and when, when I eat foods that like, essentially I don't know what's in it. I need to acknowledge and accept in advance of eating the food that my blood sugar is more inclined to go high or low because I don't really have any idea what's in it. Now, there's certain approaches that I can take to make it easier, but already something simple trying to pick on the go. If I'm dealing with stress and want to be able to concentrate or focus on the road, the last thing I want to be doing is dealing with fluctuating highs and lows. Yeah. You know? Um, and again, that's me and that's how I feel about it. Like some, another person might be listening to this podcast and be like, Owen, will you just relax? Like, eat a sausage McMuffin. Stop worrying about your blood sugar. You can have that opinion. That's perfectly fine. But me personally, I know that if if I'm focusing on other things, even on work, the last thing I want to do is worry about high and low blood sugars because it takes me out of being able to focus on what I want to focus on or even enjoy what I want to enjoy. Because if I'm on a vacation or holiday trying to enjoy myself, I don't want to have to treat highs and lows all the time because it actually takes away from my enjoyment of the thing that I'm doing. So a couple of different angles there that can be nicely complicated but by oh. diabetes. Look, I'm just happy I didn't have uh, my blood sugar to worry about because uh, it was stressful enough as it is. So I do have a lot of sympathy for the type 1 diabetics listening to this podcast that you have to deal with an additional layer of stress and worry on top of everyday life. But that's just another example of um, how easy I have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Graham, as we say, there's still time. Someday. Someday. I'm, I'm still waiting for that text on, I'm in hospital. I've lost 20 pounds of weight. Close to DKA. 
I have type 1 diabetes. <laughs> no, it, it will be, Owen, send a, a link to record immediately. I, I, I couldn't just tell you. I'd have to tell the Insulone podcast community. We'd have to find out together. Yeah, it would be it was such a big deal that your favorite non-diabetic son is finally diabetic. You've had dreams that you were diabetic, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we've spoken about that <laughs> in the podcast before. Actually, it's going to come. It's going to come. Speaking about speaking about uh, diabetic dreams, last night I ate later than I usually like to eat, and I had like a, essentially a slab of salmon, so it was like really, really high fat, and I ate it later than I would like. So I started to see that bit of a climb on blood sugar from the fat later into the night as I was asleep, right? This is only last night. Okay. And um, had a dream that I pulled into, and I was with a few of the lads from school. It must have been like lunch break or something. We were in the car. We parked into like one of the local garages or whatever. And I went into the shop. And I got like a pick and mix bag of sweets, pick and mix bag of sweets. And I, in the dream, and I was eating all these sweets, eating all these sweets in the shop as I was walking out to the car. And then as I was walking out to the car, I was still eating them. And I was like, wait a second, I didn't take my insulin. And in my dream, my blood sugar went really, really high. And I could feel it in in the dream. I was like, I need to get my insulin in. I need to get my insulin in. And then I woke up to my blood sugar being high. That's happened to you before. Yeah, but it's it's never happened with high blood sugars. It's only oh. happened with low blood sugars. Now, I wasn't up at 18. I was like, I think 9.9 millimoles. So about like 180 milligrams per deciliter. So like I was higher, but not up at 18. Mm. Um, but I've had low blood sugar dreams where I've been running down supermarket aisles, like shoving cereal and, and sweets into my mouth to bring my blood sugar back up. And then I wake up sweaty because i'm i'm having a hypo but that's the first one ever that i've i've had a like high blood sugar dream so you're subconscious you're subconscious yeah, into you. I know. mad isn't it there you go but um i appreciate the story graham i'm glad again you didn't die yet but uh next time you're over in the usa maybe we'll do we'll do we'll do a road, road trip, trip like that we'll go over the, we'll go over together and do a road trip if me and you were at a check-in desk and they were messing up i think uh, i don't think one of us wouldn't be able to not blow probably because <laughs> the, the two of us would just be building each other up <laughs> go on right graham i know you're uh, i know you're in the middle of work appreciate the time listener whoever you are wherever you are appreciate you as always have a good day have a good week Look after your blood sugar. We'll chat to you soon. Take it easy. I love you. Love you, Grant. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> See you later.